Christmas present from a very dear friend of mine. Look, Daddy, teacher says every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. That's right. That's right. And a boy clan. Welcome, everyone to the well here at STSA, and I think I heard a few sniffles during that clip. Did I really hear, if, like we didn't know what was coming, okay. Anyway, welcome, we're glad that you're joining us here today. We're wrapping up a series called Realizing Rich. We've been talking for the past three weeks, not about how to become rich, but about how to live rich, because what we've been seeing throughout the past few weeks is that if you came on the first week of this series, I gave you great news, life-changing news, news that you've been waiting to hear your entire life, your entire life you've been waiting to hear the news that I shared on the first day, which is that you are rich. And by the mere fact of the majority of us in this room probably make more than $50,000 a year. And if you make more than $50,000 a year, you are in the top 1% of the richest, richest, richest people in the entire world. And some people came to me and say, but I'm just a poor student. I don't make that much money. Yes, but you are studying to make considerably more than even that. So within a few years, you'll be even the richest of the rich people will say you're so rich. So yes, not everyone may be in that echelon right now, but we are all probably going to be there at some time very soon. And if we're not there, it's not probably because we didn't have many opportunities. Because that's the good news that we share together is that we are rich. And we don't need to apologize for being rich. We don't need to feel guilty about being rich. We don't need to be embarrassed and, and, and pretend like we're not rich. Being rich isn't bad. And the scriptures never say that being rich is bad. What the scriptures say about being rich is that, number one, you have to be careful and beware because of certain dangers. And then, number two, being rich comes with a responsibility, and that's what we're focused on here during this series. God is not anti-rich. I am not anti-rich. This church is not anti-rich. As I've said many times before, we are pro-rich around here. We want everyone to be rich and rich and rich, but just realizing the warnings of the dangers that come with it, and then number two, the responsibility that is incumbent upon all of us. Last week, we talked about the, some of the dangers of being rich. We talked about how having money isn't the issue, but loving money and trusting in money. And we looked at certain verses like when Jesus said that it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. So once you hear that right there, you say, hey, wait a minute. Being rich is something good, and I'm glad that I'm rich, and I thank God that I'm rich, but it comes with a danger. And if you don't believe there's a danger, you go find that camel as he's trying to squeeze his way through that needle, and he will tell you about the danger of being rich. We also heard a verse that said, that the love of money is the root of all evil. That's what the scriptures say. And the reason why, as we looked at last week, is that riches are deceitful. That's what Jesus said about them. He said riches have these lies that they tell you. All right, and we looked last week about the, the tickets from the Chuck E. Cheese, and we saw that those tickets will turn rational, logical, sane people into maniacs, okay? Because you think that if I just get enough of these tickets, my life will never be the same again. I'll be, have happiness and security and peace and joy and all kinds of good stuff. And we scoff at the children who think that getting those tickets from those dumb video games and buying that dumb toy that cost 15 cents, but they paid hundreds of dollars in video game money. We scoff at them and laugh at them and say, silly little children. And then we do the exact same thing, but just our tickets are green. And our tickets have dead presidents on them. And we think that those tickets, if we get enough of them, we'll buy things that will change our lives forever. And we do the exact same things that we laugh at the kids for. And that's what Jesus said. Be careful with tickets. Be careful with riches. Because riches are deceitful. They lie to you. And they will tell you, enough of me. Life never be the same again. 
And riches will promise what only God can deliver. That's why Jesus said last week, or said when we read last week, that you cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God and money. Because the two are opposed to one another. Because the exact same thing that God says that he is, riches tries to lie and tells that they can provide for us. And that's why we saw last week that those who love and trust money never have enough. Right? You never have enough. No matter how much you have, you never have enough. How much you're aiming for, just a little bit more, no matter what it is. And we saw that. People who love and trust money find it ex ex increasingly harder to give the higher up they go on the chain. All right? Those who have little, okay, those who have more struggle to give than even those who have little. And we also saw that those who have riches may have money in the bank, but oftentimes lack peace in their homes and in their hearts. And that's the danger of riches. This week, we want to continue and talk more about the responsibility as we wrap up. The responsibility of being rich. And I'm going to refer back to a story I said in week one that several people came and told me they never looked at it this way. And this story kind of, I just kind of threw the story out there, but stuck with a lot of people. So let me elaborate on that story a little bit today and make that kind of our theme. And that was a story that I said about when we were children. I have two brothers. And oftentimes our parents would send us to the pool, okay, or the, 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 the water park thing. Okay, it was called Wild World when we were kids. I don't know if anyone remembers Wild World. Okay, it eventually became like Six Flags or something like that. But we would go, and oftentimes what our parents would do is they would give us money to eat. Not oftentimes, all the time, okay? They would give us money to buy food, okay, for the day. But they wouldn't give us all money. They would give money to the oldest. And to my older brother, it's not like they gave $5 to each one. They would give $15. That's how much it costs for three people to eat back in the day, okay? They'd give $15 to my oldest brother. And he would have $15 in his pocket, and me and my younger brother would have zero in our pocket. Now you, I know it's logic, it's common sense, but just follow me here. You're the advisor for that older brother. You're his advisor. Parents just gave him, you know how all brothers compete with each other. So you just got 15 bucks, and your two sucker brothers got nothing. Advise him. What should he do with his 15 bucks? Give him some tips. You're his consultant, because we're all consultants here in the D.C. area. You're his consultant. How would you advise him to spend that money? Would you tell him, congratulations, you get three sandwiches. You should buy three sandwiches. Or you should get a sandwich and a dessert. Or you should get a one sandwich, one dessert, and save the rest to buy a toy when you get home because you've been blessed by your parents. They clearly, they gave to you. and those, those, There must be something that they didn't do, and that's why I didn't give them. How many would say to that boy, look, just buy one sandwich. Don't be greedy take the rest of it and put it towards retirement. You know what I'd say to that kid? As the not oldest brother, okay, what I would say? I would say be smart. First of all, Christmas is approaching. Christmas is approaching. I would say be smart. That the same one who giveth, taketh away. So be smart. That your parents gave you the money, but as easily as they gave it to you, they could take it away. Because the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. And I would also say that especially with Christmas coming up, you want a lot from your parents, don't you? Like you want a lot. You want a lot more than a sandwich. So be smart and be responsible with what they gave you. And I bet you, I bet you, if you take care of what they gave you, you'll probably get a lot more in your stockings than you would expect. Is that another way I would say this? And I think you'll all agree with me. That just because you're holding the money doesn't mean you can do whatever you want with it. Would you agree with that statement? You would say to the older brother with $15 in his pocket, just because all the money is in your pocket doesn't mean that you can spend it however you want. Everyone agree with me? 
Did you ever think that sometimes the gifts that we've received from our Heavenly Father are kind of the same way? That in the same way that our earthly parents give us and expect us to do something with it, maybe your Heavenly Father as well. Luke chapter 16, verse 10 through 12, famous passage. It says, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, meaning wealth, if you have not been faithful in the earthly wealth, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give to you what is your own? You see, Jesus isn't speaking spiritual right here. He's just speaking knowledge. This is just wisdom. This is just logic. This is one plus one equal two. And this says that like all parents understand that when I give you $5 in allowance and then you keep it all to yourself and you don't share, or sorry, I gave you $15 at the pool and you didn't share with your hungry brothers, then I'm less likely to give you money next time you go to the pool. This is just logic. And I'm less likely to be more generous with you at Christmas. This is logic. Because if you can't take care of the small, how do I want to give you the big? Did you ever consider that today, Today, right here, right now, December 18, 2016, God has blessed you and made you rich, but he is watching what you do with it. And did you ever consider that maybe the little bit that you've been given in your hand is a test for something much greater God really wants to give you? I don't think any one of us would deny, as we talked about two weeks ago, that we've been blessed beyond belief. We've been given more than many. We are the rich kid. We are the older brother in, in the story. And there are many people all around us who don't have what we have. And if you go to this older brother and you say to the older brother, why do you think your parents gave you more money? If you go to him and say, why do you think your parents gave you more money? For us, the answer is easy, to share with your brothers. They gave you 15 divided by three. Like they, That's very easy. But let's say someone were to come down from the moon today and say, look, let's do a case study right here. Here we have the top 1% of the world right here. Okay, we have the richest people in the whole wide world. And let's ask the question. Let's say, just by observing how people behave, just by observing how people behave, these people have been made rich by God. Why do they think they have been made rich? Like what's in their mind that I've been given more, so therefore what? What's in their mind? Just by observing how we live, not by listening to what we say. Because what we say and how what we do is oftentimes different. I bet you if someone was just observing us, forgive me, don't, no one take it personal, but this is the, 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 the fact of the matter. Most people would say the reason we have been blessed more is that we could have more. And the more that we get, the more that we consume it on ourselves. And someone who is an unbiased observer would say, God made these people the richest people in the world so they could have the coolest gadgets, they could have the biggest homes, they could have newer cars, fancier shoes, fancier clothes, that they could have all the stuff that all the other sucker brothers and sisters around the world don't get to have. Obviously, we know that's not the case. But do you think anyone would observe us, more importantly, observe you, and say, you know what? I think that God gave this person more to be more generous. I think this person is, keeps on getting more and more and more because the more they get, the more they give. Do you think there'd be anyone who would say, you know what, I am thankful because I'm just kind of looking from a macro level. I am thankful that these people are the ones who got the more because had it been anyone else, they would have just consumed it on themselves. But I am thankful that God made these people the richest people in the whole wide world. Would anyone say that about you? Would anyone say that about us? 
I didn't even say that about the church. Here's our key thought here for today, and we'll try to unpack it the rest of, the, the rest of our time here together. The key thought is this, is that God is using money to test you. Fact of the matter. God is using money to test you. God is using, God has made us rich. We're not apologized for that. But we are not dumb enough to think that there is no accountability for our richness. Same way with the kid at the pool. I have made this child, I have made you rich. For the day you are rich, your brothers are poor. But you will be held accountable. And how I deal with you on Christmas morning and for the rest of this year and for the rest of your life will be based on how you are responsible with the riches that I gave you. But there's no such thing as riches without accountability. Forget this idea that God wants to make us rich just so that we can be rich on this earth. Forget that idea because that's nonsense. Forget the idea that the riches is the job promotion. That thank you, God, you blessed me with a job promotion. That's great. That job is here today. It's going to be gone tomorrow. Forget the idea that the riches is, the, is your house or the riches is, is, is that you can have a, a car or forget about that. Those are all toys. Those are all toys that God has given to us to test us so that he can give us the real stuff, the real goods that he wants to bless us with. Just like I said with the parents and the kids at the pool. But our problem is, is that we get this stuff and we automatically think this is the prize and we just hold on and we try to get more and more and more and more and say, thank you, God, for blessing me with all this and not realizing that's not the blessing. That's the test. And if you don't pass the test, there will be accountability. So I throw it back to you. How are you doing on the test of riches? I can't tell you how you're doing. You answer the question. Are you the kind that eats three hamburgers? Is that you? You're the kid at the pool with three hamburgers, and you eat one and a half, and you throw the rest away? Are you the kid who, like I said, I don't want to be greedy and eat three hamburgers. I'll eat one. I'll put the rest in my pocket for a rainy day, not realizing the other people live in a monsoon. Are you passing the test? Are you failing the test? That's why, to me, this series is so important. This series has nothing to do with money. I promise you. And I said it before, and I'll say it again. Maybe you're just showing up here today and say, uh, end of the year, financial ask. You're just asking. I don't want anyone's money. This is not about money. It is not about giving. And I'm going to even say it even later today because I'll throw the subject of tithing because I know everyone's going to think that's what I even talk, I'll tell you about tithing. It's not about tithing. And it's not about money. And it's not about giving. And I tell you, if you think that I'm trying to, I'm telling you, don't give. I'm telling you, this is seriously so important because you are being tested as we speak. As we speak, you are being tested. God is watching you as you are at the pool and you are hamburger, hamburger, and your brothers are just sitting right there. And every time that he gives you more and you put more in your pocket, God is watching you. And this series is all about that test. And what that money does inside of us, okay, what money does inside of our pockets, it can really mess us up, as Jesus said, and can deceive us and can cause us to be in bad place. So what we want to talk about here today is how to pass the test. First, before we talk about how to pass the test, let's look at how not to fail the test. And we're going to look at an example from Scripture of a guy who failed the test, the prosperity test. Story Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 12. It's a parable. Luke chapter 12, verse 16, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. This is first world of problems, right? Okay, this is a rich man who gets even richer and has so much riches, I don't know where to put all my riches, okay? This is like our Northern Virginia, D.C. area problems, okay? Well, I don't know where to invest it, the 5%. So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and all my goods. What does he say? He says, I'm living the American dream. I've made it. I've made it big time. I worked hard. 
and I have made so much, I don't know what to do with it. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to knock down this pathetic home. I'm going to build a big one. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to put my feet up. And I'm going to start living the good life because I have made it. Next verse. I will say to my soul, 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 he talks to himself, okay? Because when you're that rich, you can talk to yourself. I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. If we're honest, we look at this guy and we know this story ends bad for this guy. This is exactly how we live. Like, this is what we're driving for. This is what we're aiming for. Like, if I asked you, give me your 10-year plan, it's this. This is why we do all the stuff that we do. And just because we haven't achieved it, we say, oh, no, we're not rich and we're not greedy. We're not selfish. That's just because we haven't achieved that. But that's what we're driving towards. If I had to summarize why this guy, he's about to fail the test. Okay, but this guy, if you want to see why he failed the test, he failed the test by this. You fail this test by believing that more is always for me. You fail the test by believing that the more God has blessed you, it's all about me. And God has given me more, so I will spend more. God has given me more, so I will consume more. God has given me more, I will rest more. Everything that God has given me is all about me. Before you chastise this guy and call him a bad guy and say how he's the worst guy in the world, let me ask you a question. Today you find out your income goes up 10%. What's your first thought? You find out, starting January 1st, your income increased by 10%. What's your first thought? You're embarrassed to say it, but I'll tell you what you think. Oh, now I can afford? Perfect. Now we can buy that home that we've always wanted. Now I can get a new car. Now I can get those new shoes. Oh, perfect, because I've always wanted this, and I just couldn't afford it. 99% of the time, and I won't say 100, but I'll just stick with 99. 99% of the time, when you get more, your first thought is how you can spend it on yourself, how you consume it. How many people would say, and we need a show of hands, how many people would say, oh, I got more? Oh, that's great. Now I can be more generous. Now I can give more. You know what? I haven't been keeping up with my tithing, and that's been bothering me. Now I can catch back up, or now I can go beyond the tithe. Now I can help that family member who needs help. Now I can give a special gift and bless that person who I know is really struggling. Thank you, God, that you have given me this riches, because now I can share it. That's not what the guy thought. That's not what most of us think. God responds to him. Verse 20. But God said to him, just after he, the guy just won the lottery, living the American dream, and God says to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. God calls him a fool. You got to be a real fool for God to call you a fool. God says, you are a fool because you missed the point. Because you thought it was all about you. You thought that the more that I gave you, that the more that you spend it on yourself. You missed the whole idea of the test. You didn't realize there was a test taking place. And because of that, you failed. Again, not to beat a dead horse here, but his sin was not that he was rich. He started the story as a rich man. Remember it said, so it was a, uh, the ground of a certain rich man. Being rich was not the sin. Being rich was a blessing from God. And in fact, the fact that he was a farmer, okay, talked about his crops, the one profession that relies on God more than anything else is being a farmer. So we can say that God is the one who made him rich. God not only allowed him to reach, but God made him rich. 
But he's not a fool because he was rich. He was a fool because he thought the riches were just for himself. God made you rich. God made me rich. And right now, those riches are a test for us. We would be foolish to think, we would be foolish to think that the more God has given us is because the more God wants us to spend on ourselves. That one burger, not enough. We need two burgers. That's why God gave us more money. Or God wants us to have three burgers. Or God wants us to have four burgers. Or God wants us to be able to save for burgers on a rainy day. I think what God would say to this guy and what God say to us would be this. Would say, did you really think that when I gave you $15 and your two brothers had no money, that I didn't want you to share with them? I expected you, by making you rich, you're supposed to be my agents on this earth. You're supposed to be me. And when I gave it to you in one hand, I was expecting you as me to go and share that with your brothers and sisters who don't have as much. That's how you fail the test, by believing more is for you. So let's shift gears right now. Let's talk about how to pass the test. And let's try to end this series on an up note. How are we going to pass this test, STSA family? This is what we are going to do. This is what you're going to do, and this is what I'm going to do, because we do this in every area of life except giving, but we are going to do this in giving. We are going to become intentional and above-average givers. Intentional, above-average givers. We are going to be superstar givers. We're not going to be those leftover givers. We're not going to be those D-plus givers. We're going A-plus. We're going to be, because we are competitive around here, we're going to not just give. We're going to be better at giving than anybody else. And when someone says, look how good I am at giving, we say, I'm going to wipe the floor with your face, and I'm going to be a better giver than you. And I'm going to go to the top, top, top of the giving class. And when God looks down at all the churches and says, who's the most giving people? We're going to look up, and we're going to say, that's us right here. And if that church beats us, we're going to try to be more giving, because we want to be not just leftover givers, not just give when we can givers. We want to be intentional, above average, superstar givers. And that's what we are going to do because that's what we do in every area. No one gets married and says, hey, my goal is to be an average husband. My goal is to love you 50-50. That's my goal. See, see, there's all other husbands. I don't want to be like the good ones. I don't want to be like the bouncers. I just want to be right in the middle. No one says, hey, I'm going to be a doctor. And my goal is to be in the middle 50% of all the doctors. My goal is that just I'm average in everything that I do. We don't do that. When we play, we play to win. That's what what you do. So when you are striving to excel in an area, you strive to excel. You strive to get that A+. Well, why, when it comes to giving, we have the opposite mentality. Giving, we don't go for A+. Giving, we go for what's an F, what's right above the F. That's what we do. What's the bare minimum? Father Anthony, the Bible says 10%. Is that before tax or after tax? You know my response? Do you want God to bless you with a before tax or after tax blessing? Why, when it comes to, 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 to giving, that's we go for bare minimum. That's not going to be us, STSA family. We are going to be above average intentional givers. Look what this verse says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. St. Paul is talking to a group of people, and he says to them, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. How beautiful would it be to hear that, that God is making us rich in every way. Why? so we can be generous in every way. And that your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Can you imagine? I have this picture in my head. Can you imagine that you one day get up to the kingdom of heaven, okay? And you get up there and you walk in the door of the kingdom of heaven. And you, you know, when you walk into a party, you don't really know anyone, you kind of keep to yourself, okay? But you walk in, you're trying to keep to yourself in heaven. And all of a sudden, someone comes up and he's like, hey, you, 
yay, hug, yeah, yeah. And you're like, you know, how are you? Like, what's your, like, you don't know who he is. And he's like, you don't know me? He's like, I'm here because of you. You say, who are you? And say, you gave. And then you can fill in the blank, okay? The orphan that you sponsored, wherever. Or uh, the kids that you helped at the hospital. Or the church that you contributed to that sent the mission. Like, whatever, fill in the blank. I don't care what it is. But someone out there is saying, you know what? I am so thankful that God made you rich. I am thankful. And every day when I was alive, I would pray and say, thank you, God, for making that guy rich and not making those other people rich. Is there anyone in the world thanking God that you're rich? How cool thought is that? That people would be praying and say, God, make them more rich. Because I know that their riches is not selfish, but it's generosity. How are we going to do that specifically? How are we going to be intentional and above average? Or we're going to talk about both those. We're going to talk about how to be intentional and above average. And I'll go through this kind of quickly because y'all know this stuff because y'all are good people. But first thing, how are we going to be intentional? We will be intentional. We will be intentional. We will live out intentionality by returning to God what belongs to God. And that is another way of saying tithing. Everyone's favorite word to hear in church is the word tithing. Nothing better than to hear that word tithing. Even there was a gasp over there in the corner when someone said tithing, okay? Everyone's favorite word. What does tithing mean? Tithing is this principle that's been around as old as mankind. It's something that not from the church, okay, not because the pastor wants a new car or anything like that. It was commanded by God from the oldest days in the Old Testament scripture. Okay, from the book of, from the book of Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23. It says, and you shall give... And you shall give the tithe of your grain and your new wine and your oil of your firstborn of your herds and your flocks that you may learn how to fear the Lord your God always. One of the biggest misunderstandings about tithing is that it's about money. Tithing has nothing to do with money. It has everything to do with heart. Tithing has nothing to do with money. It has everything to do with heart. Tithing is not about God needs money. It's not about the church needs to upgrade its uh, monitors. It needs a new podium. Or it's not, it's nothing to do with that. Tithing has everything to do with money is dangerous for us. And money has all these problems that are associated that we said. So the antidote that God has said, the way that you protect yourself against this virus of riches is that you make sure that you never forget that 10% of what you have, which isn't really 10% because it's really 100% is God's, but he gives us 90%, that you return back to him, whether it's money or oil or wine or whatever it may be. Now I can read some of your minds because I've had this discussion with people. Some people say, my heart is fully committed to God. I fully fear the Lord God, and I show it to him in other ways. Why does this have to be the way? Why do I have to show it to him in money? Like, why can't I show him in other ways? Well, first thing I would say, number one, I don't make the rules. I just obey them. So I don't have, the, I don't have not at that part of the, the corporate ladder that I can veto what God has said. So I, I, it's, not, it's above my pay grade. Second thing I would say is the fact that you are so resisting Giving as a form of showing love shows me that maybe your love isn't as strong as you think it is. And maybe your love isn't as as deep as you think it is. Maybe it's just a convenient kind of love, which we know isn't really love and isn't really what God is looking for. Another verse from Malachi chapter 3. This is a famous one where God equates not tithing to actually stealing. Malachi 3.8. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. 
Doesn't need much explanation right there. But I tell you this, if God says you robbed me and you are cursed, that's not a verse you want to hear. We at this church, we believe in the principle of tithing. We believe that God has given to us whatever he's given to us, and he allows us to live off 90%. And I believe, and you believe this as well, that 90% of my money with God will always be greater than 100% without God. Always. Now, some of you are thinking to yourselves, I've been attending this church for months. How many times have you heard me speak about tithing here? When was the last time you heard me speak about tithing? When was the last time you heard the announcement that says, you know what, guys, electricity bill. When was the last time you heard that announcement? Anyone? We never talk about it. And some people wonder why. One time, one of our membership groups, someone who had joined the membership group would ask me this question, said, in this church, how is the church funded? I was like, how's the church funded? What does that mean? He's like, how's the church funded? I'm like, I, I, I'm not following the question. And he's like, where do you get the money to like do everything you do in your salary and all that kind of stuff? I was like, well, the people donate. He's like, but I never hear you announce it. And I'm like, that's by design. That means we're doing the right thing. You know why? Because with all my love to everyone here, this is Sunday. This is the day of the Lord. This is the day that the Lord's house is open for everyone from all the ends of the earth. Okay, the doors are open. Everyone come in. When I invite you over to my house, say I invite you over for dinner. You come over to my house. We invite you for a meal. We don't send you a bill. We invite you. You're a guest. Welcome. That's great. Then you leave. We kick you out. And then we bring the family and the wife and the kids around the table. And we say, why we left the light on overnight last night. Who left the Santa plugged in too long? We agree. We got a budget around here, and we need to tighten up the belt. That's for the family members. So as a church family, we talk about money and church family stuff. But on the day of Sunday, like someone is a guest, someone is just joining us here, I don't want you to have to, like, everything is free. You never went back to that connection table, and they said, no, you have an entry fee? You never tried to get a cup of coffee, and they said, no, 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 no. Everything is free right here because it's the day of the Lord. As a guest of the house of God, everything is, is available to you. But when you become a member of the house, that's when it's your, it's, your, it's your duty to chip in to the cost associated with it, and that's where tithing comes in. So that's what we believe in about tithing. We believe it's 10%. It's for church members. It is no, uh, it's not like the tax code with loopholes, okay, where if you, there's none of that stuff. It's a flat rate that goes across the board, and that's the way that we like it, all right? No, no, no loopholes. And it's the kind of thing that this is important. If you are new to church, I totally understand the two areas that I always say, if you're new to church, the two areas that are hardest to accept, if you've been a church member your whole life, you think this tithing stuff is like routine because you were ingrained in you that your parents on your way to church would give you a dollar to go put it in the bucket, right? Or give you a dollar to go put it in the bucket. But if you're new to church, the two areas to me are always fasting and tithing. These are hard because fasting, I live my whole life, I ate whatever I want. Now you're telling me I don't get to eat whatever I want? Why? What's the benefit of that? So I understand that's hard. And I also understand tithing is hard because you work hard for your money. And who is it? Who am I to come and say, I have a right to some of your money? I totally understand that it's hard. But I'll tell you this. There is a blessing associated with tithing that cannot be, cannot be put into words. It cannot be put into words. So I will just tell you this. I tell this to all the people all the time. If you struggle with tithing, this is a new concept for you. 10% is a lot. Start with 2%. Start with 2%. And just, to, just so you see, like, you know, give it to another church. I don't care. Whatever church you go to, like your home church, give it to that church. I'm not asking for it here. I'm saying it for your sake. Start with 2%. And then, after a couple months, if you feel like God is not blessing your life, and you feel like, you know what, God is, is, is not worthy of it, then stop. But if you feel like, you know what, I can do this. Go to 3%. And go to 4%. And build your way up. And I'll throw something else out at you. This does apply to this church because I can't speak on behalf of other churches. I give you money back guarantee. I'm serious. Come to me. 
Be faithful in tithing for three months. Three months. Three months. And at the end of those three months, if you say, you know what? I want my money back. I'll give you your money back. I'll give it back myself. Again, that's not other church. I can't speak for other people. But I'll give it back myself. You know, and you say, wow, Father Anthony is very generous. No, he's not very generous. Not, no one accused me of ever being too generous. But what I am is, I believe the word of God. And with the word of God, the next verse says this. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. I believe this verse. And I believe that my money back guarantee is not FDIC insured or insured by the federal government or insured by me and my poor little measly bank account. It is insured by God of heaven and God of earth. And he is the one who said, try me now in this. If I will not open up the gates, the doors, the windows of heaven, pour out such blessing for you. So we're going to do, STSA family, we'll be intentional by tithing. We will realize that all what God has given to us and he had given us all so much, so much, so much, we will be intentional about returning to God what belongs to him. But our goal wasn't just to be intentional. I said intentional and also above average. And this is where we will separate ourselves from everyone else out there because we will not just aim for the bare minimum of tithing. We will aim to live generously. And generously is where you get the word charity. And charity here doesn't mean what you may think it means. It doesn't mean like a nonprofit organization. It doesn't mean like a, a, a charity. Charity is the ancient word that is replaceable with love. Like, you know, 1 Corinthians 13, where it talks about love never fails and love and love is patient, love is kind. Okay, that word love can also be translated older versions as charity because the way the word love is, okay, we kind of romanticized it in Hollywood and Disney did or whatever it was, made it a, this emotional thing. The word love can be most, is most synonymous with charity and giving, and generosity, and that's what true love is all about. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. Here's your, get your competitive juices flowing right here. As you abound in everything, in faith and in speech, in knowledge and all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. And he's talking specifically about giving. He's saying, see you guys, you're trying to be the best in knowledge. Good for you. You're trying to be good in speech. Fantastic. Watch your mouth. You're trying to be great in diligence. You're trying to be great in love. Be great in this too. And that is in giving. Giving, like anything else, is hard at first and gets easier as you go up. Everything that you do in life, okay, you never run a day in your life. You say, I want to run a marathon. Well, here's what you do. You start small and you work your way up. And I promise you that the hardest step will always be the first one. But if you are able to run a mile, that I bet you if you continue, you get to two. And if it's two, you get to three. And this is the way that we should be building up. But we should never be content so we say, you know what? Some people say, I've been tithing for like my entire life. I give 10% very faithfully. So you know what? I'll challenge you. Why you stop at 10%? Why not go to 11%? Why not really roll the dice and go to 12? I know someone, I know someone who is close to achieving 50%. You think that's strange? I know someone who has achieved 90%. So he's a reverse tither. So he lives off of 10%. Now, obviously, his income is, is, is pretty significant, okay? He's not, he's not living in the street. But he's someone who gets it. He gets it. That the goal of me getting more is not to have more, but to give more. And I promise you, God will continue to bless this person financially because he knows it's not about him. And he's a reverse tither is what I call him. So what are you aiming for? What, what are you aiming for? Forget about tithing. You got a bonus for Christmas. You got a, a, a raise for the new year. What are you trying to do with it? Like, what, 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 where are you trying to excel in this area? Say, so you know what? Like I said, 
there's that family. I really want to do something good for that family, and I want to do an anonymous slip something under the door. I want to be, yeah, and then and they're going to be happy, and I'm not going to tell anyone, but God's going to say, and I'm going to say, yeah, report card, yeah. I'm being faithful what God has given me. I know God is going to give me more. Where is it that you are trying to be above average? Unfortunately, when it comes to spending, many of us are very above average. We need to have the same mentality that we have towards spending, towards giving. Because when it comes to spending, some of us, we excel in this grace of, of shopping. Okay, we are able to spend our own money and even money that we don't even have for stuff that we don't even need. And some people are professional. Like you need something, they, they know how to do this shopping. And sorry to say this, <clears throat> sometimes we will plot and we will scheme and we will do whatever it takes. We will bend over backwards to be able to spend more money on ourselves. We will say, you know what? I will not do this and I will not do this. Why? So I can have more to spend on this. I won't eat out and I won't drink coffee so that I can have more to spend on this. Christians, body of Christ, wouldn't it be nice if someone says, you know what? I'm not going to eat out. You know what? I'm not going to go out and get coffee. You know why? So that I can give more. So that I can bless someone else. So I can increase my tithe. So I can be a more generous person. We don't do that. Spending, very intentional. Very above average. Professionals. Giving, bare minimum. No more. We're flipping it upside down. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. The verse that you see on the bottom of every church's you know, like end of year, what you donated letter, okay? This is the round of on every one of those. It says, let each one give as he proposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. And most of the time, the association that's sending you that loves a cheerful giver as well, okay? We are going to be intentional, intentional about our giving. We are not going to be giving after the fact or giving what's left over. We are going to make this a priority because we realize that money is a test. And today, as we speak, right now, we leave here, and God is watching what we do with the 15 bucks he put in our pocket, knowing that there's many of our brothers and sisters who are hungry, don't have any sandwiches, and seeing what we're going to do with what he has given to us. If we truly believe, if we truly believe that money is a test, if we truly believe that it is more blessed to give than to receive, if we truly believe that when we offer to God our tithes, we're not offering anything and that he will bless us. If we really believe that, then it's got to make a difference. You know the expression, put your money where your mouth is? That expression holds true in this area as well. Then it's got to make a difference in how we give. Some of you thinking to yourselves, but I'm in debt. I can't afford it. I'm in debt. I can't afford to give right now. When I get out of debt, you know my response to that person is? I'm in debt, I can't afford it. I got problems, I can't afford it. I got bills, I can't afford it. I would say, you got problems, you got bills, you got debt, therefore you can't not afford it. You can't not afford to have God's blessing in your life. You come and tell me this long sob story and you think that holding on to the money that belongs to God is gonna help you get you more blessing in your life? I tell you that you got problems, you should give, you got more problems, you should be more generous because you can't afford not to give. Some people say, can't do 10%. Already addressed that. Don't, be, don't, don't go between 0 and 10. Start at 1. Start at 2. Just like prayer. Say, I can't pray all day. Okay, but can you say one prayer? Say, I can't read the whole Bible, but can you read one chapter? Okay, we don't need to go from 0 to 100. Some people would say, this whole idea is foreign, and I don't need to show God love by, by giving. And I would say, then you should question the heart, the love that really is in your heart. Because the true heart of love never sets boundaries on what can give and can't give. And if you don't believe me, there's one last verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 
will tell us why that is true. Why is giving so important to God? Why is giving matter? Why does God make such a big deal? Why is there more in the New Testament about the subject of giving than about prayer or heaven or hell or faith or anything like that? The subject of giving is spoken about more in the New Testament than any other subject. It's for this reason. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 8. I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. Basically, this is at the end of when St. Paul is speaking about saying, you should give. That verse about excel in the grace of giving. And he's saying, don't do it for my sake. Don't do it because like big mean God is going to like hit you with a lightning bolt. Like don't do it for my sake. It's not about obedience and a commandment. It's much greater than that. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. You know the expression, you've heard it before, you can give You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. You've heard that before, right? You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. Being a giver is who God is at his core. And God is defined as love. God is love. And we see God's love manifest to us famous verse that we always hear, John 3.16, at all the football games, John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave. He so loved the world that he gave. And what did he give? A little knickknack, a little stocking stuffer, something that was cheap. What did he love us so much that he gave his only begotten son, the most precious thing in the universe, his own son. And God at his very core is the life giver. We always say that. We talk about God as the life giver. Because God at his core is giving. And this is not about money. This is not about church needs to, to, the, to pay the rent. This is about we were created in the image of God. And in the image of God, we were created to be givers as he is. And when we, what's the opposite of giving is selfish. We are selfish. The world is never more unlike God. You are never more unlike God than when you think that what's in your hand is for, is for your own sake. Because God at his core, everything that he, got, he has, he gave away richly. And he who was rich became poor. Why? So that we who are poor could become rich. This verse needs to be said about me and you. This verse needs to be said about me and you. This verse needs to be said that we who are rich, because we are rich, we won't apologize for being rich. We are proud of the fact that God has blessed us and made us rich. But we need, it needs to be said about us that through our riches, we are willing to make ourselves poor so that others might be rich. <clears throat> We're going to change our language. We are no more going to say the following sentence, how much do I have to give? We will never say that again. We're going to change that. We're not going to say, how much do I have to give? We're going to say, how much do I get to give? We're not going to say, how much do I have to give? We're going to say, how much do I get to give? We're not going to say, uh, what a burden this is for me to give. We are going to say, what an honor it is that I can be like God and I can follow in the footsteps of my heavenly father by being a generous giver as he was a generous giver. You know, many of us, I know we got a lot of, um, I call them world changers. Okay, world change. A lot of people in this world, idealistic, want to change the world, see the world is bad, the world needs to change. And I love that. That's great. God put that inside you. More power to you, the world changers who are in the room. You want to know the easiest way to change the world? You want to know the easiest way to change the world? is do something about this message, is do something about this, is become a giver. That's the way. Like, it's easy for us to say the world, everyone's so selfish. 
and then we get more and we put it in our pocket. But the world is so selfish. We are the body of Christ in this world, and if the world is going to change, it's going to be led by the Christians. It's going to be led by the body of Christ. So it's, it's very hypocritical for us to sit there and say the world needs to be more generous, people need to be less selfish, and then everything that we get it goes in one hand, goes in our pocket, and we stays right there. We are going to become like God by returning to that image of a giver. So help me out here, STSA family. Let's review all that we talked about in this series before we wrap up right here. We agreed in week one that God has blessed me with more than I need. Therefore, I'm actually, say that with me. Say that with me. Say, God has blessed me with more than I need. Therefore, I am rich. We talked in the first week and we realized that and we are not apologizing for that. Don't be embarrassed to say I'm rich. We talked in the first week and said, who's rich? We all said, we know someone else who's rich, but none of us thought we were rich. Now we realize that we are rich. But based on that, I will not trust in riches, but in him who gives me all things richly. Say that with me. Say, I will not trust in riches, but in him who gives me all things richly. And we realize that those riches are a gift, but they also have a danger. Everything in life comes with a responsibility. And therefore, based on that responsibility, because I have more, I will give more. Say that with me. Say, and because I have more, because I have more, I will give more. I will not give grudgingly. I will not give bitterly. I will not give because God made me. I will give because it is my greatest honor. It is an honor that God has given me so much, and it is my greatest joy to give it back to him and to his children all over the world. Because I don't want to fail this test. There's too much at stake here. And there's too much that I do not want to happen to me and too much that I do want to happen to me that I will not allow myself to fail this test. All right, one of the things that I said in the first week, I said a lot of the reason why a lot of our struggle is that we don't feel rich. And because we don't feel rich, we're always trying to get rich. And because we're always trying to get rich, we end up living very poor lives. We're going to make a commitment in front of God that beginning today, the rest of our lives, we're going to stop trying to get rich. And instead of trying to get rich, we're going to realize that we are already rich and use those riches in a way that honors God and glorifies God. Okay? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you for your kindness, your goodness, your gentleness towards us, and your infinite mercy and love. Lord, who can, can count all the blessings that you've given to us, both earthly and heavenly, spiritual and, and things that, that we see in front of us? Thank you, Lord, from the depth of our heart. And we pray that you would never let us to be like that rich fool, so consumed by things and so consumed by like possessions. Never let us to be like that rich young fool too who was unwilling to let go of his stuff when you offered him treasure in heaven. Heavenly Father, help us to see the deceitfulness of the riches. And know that even though we are rich, it comes with a great, huge responsibility. But we will honor you with our possessions because that is the greatest thing that we can do, Lord, with anything is to honor you with it. We will be the most generous people. We'll never be people who, the more we get, that we think it's for us. But people will see us, Lord, and they will thank you that you made us rich, Lord, when they see our generosity. Thank you for giving us a chance to be like you. And thank you for giving us so many opportunities to be generous. Help us, Lord during this time, not to be consumed by ourself and by our stuff, but to be consumed by you and our desire to please you and honor you. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, with the prayers of all your saints. Hear us, Lord, as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, 
in Christ Jesus our Lord. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.